0: Hello everyone, my name is Aleph and welcome to my podcast. This is the third episode and we're going to talk about diabetes mellitus in the family medicine section. Okay, now, for diabetes, what is the definition? Well, it is a metabolic disorder characterized by the presence of hyperglycemia due to impairment of insulin secretion. As you know, the pancreas has two types of, of cells, the alpha cells and the beta cells. So remember that insulin is going to be secreted by the beta cells, okay? Meanwhile, the alpha cells will secrete glucagon, okay? Very important. Uh, as you know, insulin insulin will fixate to the cell and will help uh, introduce the uh, glucose particles into the cell and then have glycolysis and capture ATPs, okay? <clears throat> now, how can we diagnose diabetes? Well. I'm going to use the Diabetes Canada 2018 Clinical Practice Guidelines, okay? Now, it states that you have four options, okay, on how to diagnose, okay? A fasting glucose levels above or equal of 7.0 millimole is one option. The other option is that you have an A1C equal or greater of 6.5% in adults, uh, or you can use a oral glucose tolerance test of a two-hour uh, intake of 75 grams of, of sugar, mainly. And it has to be equal or greater than 11.1 mmol per liter. Or a random uh, glucose level of above or equal of 11.1 millimole per liter, okay? Now, it is important that, for example, if you have a a fasting glucose level of, I don't know, 8.0 millimole, but the patient has also some hyperglycemia symptoms like polyuria, polydipsia, polyphagia, weight loss, blurry vision, then you don't need to check more. It's just enough with this type of of clinical presentation, Okay. Now remember, there are two types of uh, diabetes, type one and type two. The type one mainly is an autoimmune disease, okay? That will destruct the beta cells in the pancreas and it will lead to a insulin deficiency or null, okay? So very important. The type two, well, is because the the pancreas does not produce enough insulin, okay? It's going to be, affected along, along many years. So it's not like an acute onset, like on the type one diabetes. The type two will take lots of years in order to, to affect the, the, the insulin production. Okay? <clears throat> there are other causes of diabetes the, the The ones that you have to know is the drug-induced, okay? So glucocorticoids is one, and thiazides, so remember those two medications, glucocorticoids and thiazides. There's also a lot of, of, of other causes, but those are not high yield in the in the exam. So just remember the drug-induced of those two medication. <clears throat> now, the type one uh, uh, diabetes, malaria, the onset usually is, uh, it's in young uh, patients, okay? Mainly kids or uh, adolescents and it could go up until below 30 years of age. While the type two, usually usually it's greater than 40 years. But as you know, there's a lot of uh, obesity in the pediatric population, and this is causing that many patients start with this type two uh, diabetes uh, when they have eight years old, 10 years old and above. So it's, it's something that you have to be aware of. Now, in the type 1, it is most common in the European population and it is less common in Asian, Hispanics, Aboriginals and Blacks. While the type 2 is more common in Blacks, Hispanic, Aboriginals and Asians. Okay. Now, remember the etiology, type 1 is an autoimmune cause, while the type 2, it's multifactorial, okay. Also, there's a lot of genetic information about the, uh, the relationship between uh, uh, mutations of uh, some, uh, some genes. So I don't think that those are high yield in the exam. So don't, don't worry about it. <clears throat> okay. Now, the treatment with these two type of, of, of problems is that type one will always, always have insulin, okay? Meanwhile, the type 2 will have lifestyle modifications. There's also non-insulin anti-hyperglycemic agents. We can also use insulin, okay? Now, what are the acute complications? This is way high yield for you, okay? So remember, the acute complication, the main one in type 1, is DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis. It's very, very important that you have to know it. Uh, while the type two, you have to use the HHS, the hyper smaller hyperglycemic state. Okay, but it can also uh, present with a DKA. Okay, so don't. It's not like a rule. So, <laughs> but in the test, they always will want to d- differentiate each complication for each uh, type uh, of diabetes. Now, for the treatment of diabetes, remember that we have to control with the A1C. Okay. And what is the goal? Well, the goal is that you have to have an A1C below or equal of 7.0%. Okay, very important. With this uh, percent, we're going to reduce the risk of microvascular uh, problems. Okay, so very important. Now, in some patients, you you can also go a little bit downward, like, for example, 6.5% in some patients that have a cardiovascular disease. So we want to go lower them a little bit more than the general population. Now, uh, the the diet is not going to be an important factor in the exam, so don't worry about it. But the lifestyle modification, they will ask how much exercise do they have? To, to do each week? And the answer is 150 minutes per week of aerobic exercise, okay? You can divide the sessions along the week. It's, it's more, more, uh, most recommended, for example, 30 minutes, uh, four times a day or five times a day, and you will achieve the, the goal. Now, for the medical treatment for a non-insulin anti-hyperglycemic agent, the first one that we're going to prescribe is metformin, okay? Very important. We're going to uh, uh, check the, the, blood, uh, the blood levels, the glucose levels, uh, monthly. And if we achieve uh, the goals of the A1C in three to six months, then we can continue. It. If we do not uh, manage to, do, uh, to, to go below 7.0%, then we can use other type of medications, okay? Uh, For insulin, well, insulin, we can use it at any point in the treatment, okay? There's no rules when we can use it or when we cannot use it. It, it, It's just, you have to check the patient and evaluate evaluate their cardiovascular disease uh, factors or any other problems that the, the patient has. So it's mainly up to the to the doctor. But you can use insulin in any point of the treatment. Okay, there's a lot of types of insulin, as you know. There's rapid-acting insulins, short-acting, intermediate-acting, long-acting, pre regular insulin, pre insulin analog. So there's a lot of insulins that we can use. And it, it will depend on the type of insulin that we want to use, okay. Uh, right now, the the ones that are more uh, that the doctors use more is the most are the long acting basal, especially the the, the glargine or degludec, okay. Why? But well, it's you can only have to uh, tell the patient that they have to inject the insulin once a day, and that's it. While the the prandial bolus insulins, like the rapid acting, short acting, or even the intermediate acting, you you have to apply more than two or three times a day. So it's not very comfortable for the patient. So take that in mind, okay? Now, how can we um, start insulin therapy in patients? Well, for the type two, we're going to, mainly focus on the type 2 they will not ask for the type 1 so don't worry about it the type 2 diabetes mellitus insulin regimen you have to start with 10 units of basal insulin at bedtime okay and then you have to titrate up to one unit until the 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 fasting glucose levels are below 7.0 minimal per liter okay so, that's how you have to start it. Now, there's some a dosing sample that you can use for the, <clears throat> the prandial bolus insulins and the basal insulins. Uh, it's a little, a little bit complicated, but it's, it's not that hard. We're going to take an example of a person that weights 100 kilograms, okay? Now, the the... Dosage that is recommended recommended—it's you have to use the 0.5 units per kilogram. So if you have a patient that weighs 100 kilograms, then you have to multiply 100 times 0.5 and the answer goes to a 50 units of insulin, okay? That's the total daily insulin that the patient has to, to receive, okay? So you have the 50 units uh, total insulin, okay? Now you have to use the basal insulin and the bolus insulin, okay? The basal insulin is going to be the 40% of the uh, total daily insulin. How do you multiply? Well, it's 40% times the 50 units of insulin of the total daily insulin. And that is going to uh, lead to a a basal bedtime dosage of 20 units, okay? So you have to apply at night 20 units and then the bolus insulin uh, that you're going to use with each meal first you have to do the 60 percent of the 50 units that you already managed to 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 do with the total daily insulin and then you have to multiply 60 percent times 50 units and then you get 30 units of of bolus insulin now with that 30 you have to divide between each meal. So there are three meals a day. So it's 10 units per each meal or with each meal that you have to administer. So that's, uh, I don't think that they are going to ask you to do those type of calculations, but uh, it's very important they you have to know it and how to uh, do the the math on how to apply this type of, of insulin regimens to the patient so try to use, uh, I don't know, use your, your body weight and, and do all these calculations, okay? <clears throat> okay, now, oh, there's also one uh, novel therapy that is the insulin pump therapy. You don't have to worry about it, but it's it's nice to know that there's a, an external battery operated device that uh, patients can use. And the, the device is going to administer by itself the, the insulin. So the patient does, doesn't does have to worry about it. So they just have to go along with their living lifestyle and, and the machine will do everything. So that's that's nice that it exists right now. <clears throat> now, uh, let's talk about the acute complications of the DKA and the hypersmolar hyperglycemic state. Okay, so remember, decay will usually occur in, in type 1 diabetes. Meanwhile, smaller hyperglycemic state will occur um, in type 2 diabetes, okay? Uh, why it presents in the type 1? Usually is because the deficiency of insulin <clears throat> with the counterregulatory regulatory hormones like uh, glucagon, cortisol, catecholamines. <clears throat> it is because also the fat mobilization it will increase. Uh, This will lead to ketoacidosis, ketoacids, and it will uh, have a metabolic acidosis. So that's mainly the pathophysiology of the DKA. Meanwhile, on the hyperglycemic state, mainly is precipitated by sepsis, stroke, uh, myocardial infraction, uh, cardiac heart failure, uh, renal failure, trauma, drugs, now the drugs. Remember, what type of drugs did you did I told told you that it will be one of the causes of diabetes, glucocorticoids, and thiazides. So it's glucocorticoids, diuretics, immunosuppressants, and phenytoin. Okay, but the ones that I always will ask you is the thiazides and the glucocorticoids. Okay, also some uh, procedures like dialysis or any recent surgeries or even burns. This will uh, precipitate this uh, complication, okay? Uh, now, in the hypersmolar, uh, it will be a more severe de- dehydration compared to the DKA, and it is due to more gradual onset and a longer duration of metabolic decompensation plus impairment fluid intake, which is common in bedridden or elderly patients, okay? So, very important. Uh, The clinical uh, features, it's a little bit uh, similar. There's obviously hyperglycemia with all the symptoms of hyperglycemia, polyuria, polydipsia, weaknesses, and it it will be the same in both presentations, okay? There's going to be acidosis in the DKA, very important. Meanwhile, in the other one, there's just no acidosis state, okay? Uh, the other one, the the hypersmolar, is there's going to be a dehydration, very important dehydration. Uh, so it's um, it's almost similar, but there's some key elements. Remember severe dehydration, the hypersmolar. Uh, meanwhile, acidosis, the decay. Okay, just remember that. Also, in the hypersmolar, there's Kussmaul respiration. Okay, very important. <clears throat> okay. Now, you don't have to know the serum levels of each uh, complication, just go with the clinical presentation. Uh, in the urine test, we can use urine sticks uh, test uh, and for the decay there's always, always going to be glucosuria and ketones, okay? Uh, the treatment, always, always ABC, okay? ABC are the first priority in, in in both of them, okay? In the DKA, the anion gap is the most important endpoint used to monitor the resolution of the metabolic acidosis, okay? Very important. And the, after you, you check the ABCs, you have to go with rehydration, okay? So IV lines, uh, two IV lines remember and start to hydrate the patient The we have to use insulin therapy and potassium replacement in dka there's also a uh, you have to to use a potassium replacement but only if you have a uh, lower uh, uh, potassium levels in, in in the system okay i think that That's mainly the main things that you have to uh, worry about, the the treatment in these two uh, acute Mm -hmm. complications. Okay, what are the complications of diabetes? Well, there's macrovascular complications and microvascular complications, okay? The macrovascular complications also increase the risk of cardiovascular uh, arterial disease, so you have to be aware of it, and ischemic stroke, okay? Now, the treatment for this, always, always, you have to have a blood pressure control, okay? Uh, The recommendation is that the patient has to have below 130 over 80, okay? Remember that the goals for persons that are not diabetic is 140 over 90 below. Well, for these type of patients, you, you want to go a little bit downward, okay? 130 over 80 and below, okay? So... We can, with this, we can prevent a a, a stroke, okay? We can, uh, we have to also check the lipid levels, the LDL cholesterol. We have to go lower than 2.0 millimole, okay? Very important, okay? We can use uh, ACE inhibitors or ARPS, uh, angiotension receptor blockers for high risk patients. And also we can uh, use ACE inhibitors for renal protection or ARPS, okay. We can we have to recommend the patient that they have to stop most smoking if, if the patient is smoking. And for the microvascular complications, well, the first one is diabetic retinopathy, very important. There are clinical features, maybe three types: macular edema, okay, non-proliferative, and a retinal capillary closure, okay, very important. How can we prevent? Well, we have to have a tight glycemic control in order to avoid this complication. Uh, also, the lipid control, as we as we uh, mentioned, the hypertension, the smoking cessation, as you know, and we have to recommend an annual follow up visits with an optometrist or an ophthalmologist examination. Okay, very important for this type of patients. <clears throat> uh, what else? Diabetic nephropathy, okay. Very important also. We have to check the serum creatinine, okay, and the random urine albuminine to creatinine ratio. We have to screen the patients annually after we diagnose the patients with type 2 diabetes and also type 1 diabetes, okay? You have to check them right? Huh? Now, the treatment, as, as, as I already said, uh, the renal protection, we will, we will use ACE inhibitors and ARPs, okay? We can delay the progression of kidney failure, okay? And also, we have to check on the medications that we are giving to the patients. Remember, we have to avoid an, uh, at any cost, or if, it's, if it is necessary, we have to reduce the dosages of the medications that work up on the, on the renal tissue. So we have to be very careful for nephrotoxic drugs, okay? Or even dyes. When you want to check some study, I don't know, a CAT scan with IV dye, we have to be very aware that those patients have to be in a not a severe renal problem. So we have to check that before we have to send studies that involve dyes okay the diabetic neuropathy how would they how we can screen them well we we have to use a tuning fork of 128 hertz or a 10 gram monofilament or you can use both of them okay so uh, remember you always use at least two times a, a year the 10 grams monofilament and check their their feet to the patient. Okay, many patients don't like to have their uh, feet check check done, but we have to be, we, we have to talk to talk to them. Why is it it is important? Okay. Uh, the treatment, as I already told you, always always glycemic control. For the neuropathic pain syndromes, we can use a lot of drugs. Uh, Mainly, we can use tricyclic antidepressants like amitriptyline. We can use pregabalin, duloxetine. Remember duloxetine, the the good thing about duloxetine is that it can resolve some of the depression issues, but they can also help a lot with the neuropathic pain, okay? So you have two types of actions. And also food care education. We have to educate the patients how to clip their nails, how to bathe, uh, uh, maintain the our, our feet uh, dry, and what type of footwear do they have to use. Okay, so food care education, very important. Now, there's other other complications, but those are not going to be in the test. Another complication that can derive is the hypoglycemia. is actually the most frequently that... All patients in diabetes will, um, at least once in their lifetime, in their life will will have a, a hypoglycemic state. How can we management manage that? It's not that hard, okay? <clears throat> okay. The treatment for this is if the patient has, uh, firstly, if the patient is in unconscious, we have to take them right away to the emergency department, okay? if the patient is conscious but they have a lot of uh, neurologic symptoms and you check their their glucose levels and it is uh, below 4.0 millimole over uh, over liter then we have to make them eat 15 grams of carbohydrates okay or make them uh, take a glass of of juice or a cup of juice or we can use some packets of sugar and dissolve it in water and take them uh, to drink it and wait 15 minutes recheck the uh, the blood uh, glucose and we have to repeat these steps until we can reach a a a basal glucose of 5 millimoles. okay and then they have to eat uh, the next scheduled meal Okay, if, this, if the meal is, I don't know, like for example, they went to a hypo, hypoglycemic steak, I know, at 9 a.m. and they have to have breakfast until 11, then they can eat some snacking of, of a 15 gram of carbohydrates after uh, or between until the, the, the time of a breakfast is, is, is going to be. So they don't go on, on a fasting or a risk that they will once again go into a hypoglycemic state. Uh, what else? Mm, well, I think that's it. Yeah. We covered the diabetes mellitus section. Very important section. So try to study it. Uh, just remember the ones that I told you that they will, will always uh, be asking on the test. And yeah, I think that's it. In the next episode, we're going to cover, I don't know what, what are we going to cover. So let me let me check. Maybe we're going to check the lipidemias and other topic, okay? So hope you like this episode and take care. Have a nice day.